There's a smart new website that will change the way you invest using social media. Like Folio. Here to explain a team of brothers, Andy and Landon Swan, of Like Folio. And they've always been building out great technology at the intersection of social and trading. Powered by unique social data. Analyzed by legendary traders. The Like Folio broadcast starts right now. Holy cow, we are live from the wind zone, and we think with video, this is our trial run with video, we've got our producer in here, Nick Fenton has been working on this nonstop, and we'll see how it turns out. We've also got our co-producer in here, Ava Swan, who's helping us with the uh, making sure all the YouTube is working, she's kind of a YouTube connoisseur, and... Um, so hopefully this is working. Hopefully everybody likes it. We'll get better as we go, but wanted to give this a test run on the first edition of the Like Folio podcast since the trade wars began. And so Donald Trump has announced tariffs on multiple countries or on the world. I'm really not sure. The market's been up and down on the news. Have you guys been following this? Nick, have you followed the, the tariff situation? I've, in the way I've followed the- it a little bit. But I haven't followed it extensively. Yeah. It's almost just like you just read a headline, the market's either up or down. And yeah, then- the, the basics from what I gather is he wants to make it an even playing field. He wants to tariff uh, countries the exact same amount that they tariff us for goods that are imported. And then I think he's going to carve out exclusions for friends and family, like Mexico and China, if they play ball fairly under NAFTA. Sure. Sure. Or if they renegotiate NAFTA, things like that. And I know one of his big uh, reasonings is he really, you know, the, the steel manufacturing he thinks is, is just huge for any country to survive long term, which, you know, it's kind of a dinosaur industry, but it's still very important for defense and everything. He wants to, uh, you know, really bring that back into the United States as far as having an actual ma- steel manufacturing presence. And of course, other reasons, you know, he wants to use, use it as a negotiation tactic, but we'll see, we'll see where he's going with this one. Historically, have um, have protectionist views been politically like Republican or Democrat? Because it it feels it's kind of a mix to me. What it feels like, it feels kind of yeah. Left. It, it you know what it is. It's just populist. Okay. You know I don't think that you can necessarily say it's one or the other, but I it's populist. I think that um, it really puts people it puts people in a weird position. I think you're right. Like it's not. He's getting a lot of flack from, you know, the conservative side of the Republican Party, getting flack from Democrats because he always gets flack from Democrats. So I don't know, but to me, it seems like a a just complete misunderstanding as usual of what Trump is about. And that is. Is this posturing? Is this. Yeah, it's negotiating. This is negotiating. You come out with a. Exactly. Well, he really wants. He wants everyone to be completely uncertain of his end game. Yeah. You know, and he, he wants to put all these crazy ideas in people's heads, and he wants them to saying crazy headlines to keep this information in the news, so that we're talking about it, and everybody else is talking about it, and it's yeah. on everybody's mind. And everybody around the world is reacting to you instead of you reacting to them, which exactly. I think is the the key thing. That's what won the election, and that's maybe what'll win the trade wars. But we're not going to get into that too much. I just think that when you're looking at headlines, you have to look beyond the headline, and you have to start thinking about. All right, what is really the probable play here? And that, and when it comes to Donald Trump, the probable play is that he is coming out swinging really hard 
at the very beginning and establishing a very strong anchor position for negotiation and increasing his leverage. And it sounds crazy at the beginning and everybody acts like it's crazy and the economics of the country are going to go into the toilet. But really, it's a opening move in a negotiation. And, you know, we're just trying to move. He's just trying to move things in a certain direction. You may not like the direction, but you don't have to believe the hype of the opening move is my point. And this is, it seems like it's taken a lot of people off guard, but that he talked a lot about fair trade. I mean, that was one of his big things. It's, I mean, if you would have elected Ron Paul for president and the audits the Fed, you don't get surprised. That's his right. thing. Trump was always talking about fair trade, but I don't know that people knew what that meant. They didn't know that this might be step one. Well, I, fair trade. I think that two things that people could do to familiarize themselves with the message of Donald Trump is listen to his or watch his 1988 appearance on Oprah. 1988. Years ago. 30 years ago. Oh, bad man. Where, he, where he's talking <laughs> I've about. I've never seen you make a mistake like that in my life. <laughs> where, yeah, where he's talking about trade uh, imbalances with Japan and stuff like that. And then, you know, read the book that the president wrote mm. on negotiating. Like that would be step one. If I wanted to understand what the president's doing, I would read that book. Uh, but anyway, we're not going to get too political. I just think from a trading perspective, uh, avoid those headlines. Uh, on a lighter note, Alexas are laughing mm-hmm. at people across the country. Ava, you know something about this? I've heard about it and it is so here, odd. Here, speaking to. I've heard about it, but it's, it's so weird. And a lot of people are saying like, when I'm just like living about my normal life inside, Alexa just starts laughing and it's just, it's insane. Yeah. It's really weird. So has it happened to anyone that you know? No, I've just heard about it on like on the social news. media. Stuff like that. Yeah. So apparently Alexa is just tripping out laughing at people. Yeah, just out um, of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I mean, how random would that be? You're sitting in your living room watching TV with your family, maybe eating some dinner. <laughs> and all of a sudden Alexa just starts creepy laughing at you. That would be strange. Would I be haven't heard it. Strange. We have we have one in our kitchen. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah. yeah, so do we. And if it happened, I think that would be the last straw for Mrs. Swantastic. I think that it's, thing would be in the trash. It's scary. It's scary. I actually just got the thermostat Ecobee 4 that has Alexa built into it. Oh, yeah. It's done a few funky things, but I'm, <laughs> I'm chalking it up to just, you know, it's a new, brand new thermostat technology. Let's give it a little uh, time to... What if, out. what if Alexa makes your house really cold and then starts laughing at you when you're shivering? <laughs> then, yeah, that thermostat's gone. It's out. As is my echo. Yeah. Um, well, we put out in the Life Folio letter a couple weeks ago some really interesting data where I think um, the echo and Alexa is vulnerable. Um, we watched in Life Folio data and in Q4, which was kind of the big you know holiday season, um, the Google Home Mini launched, I think, in October of last year, and we saw Google Home and Google Home Mini purchase intent mentions go through the roof. Now, Alexa didn't do bad. Um, here, I'll I'll hold up the chart here. If, if that if that's going to work, we'll we'll get this all synced in. But um, you can see the uh, the Alexa is the smaller uh, rising line, but it's very good. And then the uh, Google Home is the one that's just going through the roof. And so they're both doing well, but it looks like Google Home had a major uh, increase and dominated that fourth quarter. 
um, which was surprising to me because all you ever hear about is right. Alexa. Like the branding's much better because it's Alexa rather than Google. Uh, but that Super Bowl ad was awesome. Yeah, was, Alexa lost her voice. That yeah, was good. That was really good. Yeah, and all the celebrities came out. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a great commercial. Even Bezos was on that, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but I, so we looked into, you know, why would Google Home be doing so much better? Well, it's pretty easy to figure out. The Google Assistant is six times more likely to answer a user's question than Amazon Alexa is. Wow. According to, to a study by 360i, each assistant was asked 3,000 questions, of which Google Assistant answered 72%. And Alexa answered 13%. Wow. I'd love to see the questions, but that's staggering difference. Well, you can imagine, and then it doesn't take much of a leap for you to figure out the deal. It's like, okay, so Google has access to, Google Home Mini has right. access to all of Google. All things Google. The whole, did you mean? Whereas that, that search replacement, they, <laughs> yeah. they know what you're trying to search for even when you can't type it. Exactly. And whereas Alexa's like got access to, Amazon and some right. probably relatively rudimentary cr web crawling mechanism uh -huh. compared to Google just having it all stored inside of itself, basically. So my only question here is where does Siri rank in all this? Oh, yeah. I didn't 1%. have Siri, but is Siri still a thing? Siri, still, Siri's a thing. Still going? Siri's still a thing, but... They got, Apple just came out with that HomePod. She's it's got dumb. Siri technology built into it. Yeah. So it's essentially their answer to the Echo yeah. in the Google Home. That's all that that's putting rings on people's tables. Is it? I yeah. see that. <laughs> it's like a Larry David curb your enthusiasm. Like, you, a, like, a, like as if it, you didn't use a coaster with a drink kind of ring? Yeah, but it's, it's something with the finish on it. But it Jeez. apparently it wipes off pretty easy, but it's freaking people out. I bet. Uh, so um, Google's dominating that, which is not good news. Alexa's great for shopping. But it's not what sense. people really use it for. Yeah, and Alexa has a lot of integration because I have Alexa in my home. It integrates perfectly with Sonos, where I don't know if Google Home integrates well with uh, Sonos. Yeah. Uh, it integrates, has a lot of integration with like Samsung SmartThings, which I have a SmartThings hub in my house that controls lights and uh, dim levels on lights and, and just turning things so off and on. you could say, turn the I living room on or up or down or whatever as far can, as lights yeah, go. Yeah, I can say Alexa, cool. interior lights off. And all the lights that I have patched into the interior lights turn off. Or I can say one specific light off and oh. on. I can tell her to do it to a dim level. I can tell her to turn the LED strip on the TV to a certain color. You're on the Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, so she integrates yeah. really, really well. Like the skills built into the Alexa app, Yeah. there's some really cool skills and specifically smart home integration skills. That and I, I'm cool. not sure if Google Home has, but if it does, maybe I need to switch to Google Home. I know, and I, I agree. And I wonder, if I were Google... I mean, they're so much smarter than me, so why even say this? But if I were Google, what I would try to do is come up with the Amazon skills without ha without the user having to add the skill, right? It should just, just be... Just auto-detects. Yeah, just figure out what it is I'm wanting to do. Right. It's like, oh, well, now I see you've got the... You've got Samsung's. Sonos on your home network, so let's just go ahead and auto-detect the skill and add it and make it integrative. Yeah, integrated automatically. Right, right. There we go. Uh -huh. That's I no, think now that, we're cooking with gas. That's the money move because with the Alexa, I'm like, I get these emails about the new skills, and I'm like, I don't know, you know, maybe I'll add the Domino's one, but I've never used it. It's just there's a little tough. bit of a conflict between the way they sell the Alexa is that you can just talk to 
it and tell it what you want. But if you have to go in there and type on things, yeah. click on things to get it set up correctly, that's the opposite of why you bought an Alexa. So that's interesting. So um, Ava, our co-producer, is giving us the thumbs up that the YouTube Live is streaming, we believe. Yeah. All right, cool. And then um, wow, that's a good topic. So anyway, we're going to keep an eye on that uh, because this is just one quarter's worth of data, and this is what like Folio does. We can drill down uh, to the brand level, which is very, very cool, and show purchase intent mentions of those two items. We're going to keep a strong eye on that because if it is the future of shopping or of advertising or of search – then the winner there is a really big deal between those two companies. And I want to hit on that, that we can drill down the brand level. That's extremely important because yeah. if we were just pulling up a chart of Google versus Amazon, Alexa and Google Home would be like less than 1% of each. Blips. It would be nothing. Yeah. So that chart is really cool, and it's only because we can drill down to the brand level. Yeah, which no one else can do because they don't even have the brands. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's weak. Um Landon, tell us about your trip to L.A. Landon got to go to the TDA Market Drive event in Los Angeles. It was awesome. It was Well, except for the weather. Rained here for a week in Louisville, and then I went to L.A. where it's always sunny, and then it rained for the two days that I was there in L.A., so that kind of stunk. But other than that, it was a great show. It was a great turnout. Um, I think they had a lot of new Scott Trade people coming in from the merger. and so That's big. Yep. Very it was big. There was a good mix between, you know, the thinkorswim crowd who's very deep and technical and advanced yeah, and then a lot of the newer Scott Trade people that are getting started into active trading. So it was really cool. Um, and like Folio got an extremely good reception. People were really into the social data angle. Well, yeah, they should be. It yeah. is really cool. I mean, normally people are into it, but the, maybe it's because it's West Coast, maybe because they're Scott Trade people. I don't know, but they were really into it this time so i was excited about that yeah it could just be having a super handsome cool guy up on stage telling <laughs> about it and i mean could be factor you know if you're watching this he's way more handsome in person than he's on the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, just trust I think us there's on something this wrong with these, these cameras i think yeah <laughs> be, if the camera adds 10 pounds then the iphone configuration we have in here must add 20 based on what i see on the previous <laughs> I did talk about a lot of uh um, Yeah, what stocks did you go through? Yeah. I think there were six or seven. So I'll go through them fairly quickly. One is Chewy's, which we've talked about on this podcast a lot. Uh, we've been bullish on it for a while. Great queso. Great. And great chips. Great yeah. queso delivery. Yeah. And in fact, you and I have, have had been holding a long position yes. for quite a while. It, I actually took profits recently. but it 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 went against us for a while, and we just... Oh. Told, now it's coming back really well. Yeah, because we've said this many times. You know, the lead time is huge on, on some of these things. I mean, I think with we, restaurants, it takes a little longer. Absolutely. Well, but, it, but we've de defined like at least a six-month lead time on this. Yep. So I think within the first two months, it went against us pretty well. Uh, but it literally phased me zero because I knew there was a six-month lead right. time, and I just wanted to go ahead and get in front of it. So I just held and held and held, and it crept back up to break even and then had a nice little profit in place, nice. so I just went ahead and took it. Well done. Love it. Yeah, Chewy's was uh, bullish. Um, Why don't you show the, uh, yeah, the so audience the chart? This is embarrassing because we ran out of color ink. The um, Let's see. The dark line is our data. Is that close enough? Yeah, it's perfect. perfect. The dark line is our data. Um, the lighter line is the stock price. So you can see that our data is hitting and holding kind of all-time highs while the stock was falling off 
down here. And that's where we were taking a bullish position. And now it's come back, but I still think it's got more to go because the data hasn't been this high in five years and the stock's been much higher. So that's, that's people actually talking about eating at Chewy's. Yes. Yes. Um, and then on the flip side for restaurants is Wingstop, which is who wants that? Not, not a lot of people. Hey, they're lemon pepper wings, man. They're something good. They're something special. Very poorly. Um, dark lines are data. You can see that it is, is really dropping down. Uh, the IPO to guess a couple of years ago, but the purchase intent data is at five year lows where the stock is, is doing really well. So this is one of those divergence plays where our data disagrees. And so we are bearish on Wingstop. Um, a couple more. Let's see. Do you know why the uh, mentions are decreasing? I have a thesis. Tell me about it. Rick Ross, he's a huge rapper, like one of the top five most influential rappers. He um, he essentially owns, I think, like 25 Wingstops. He's a huge franchisee, mm-hmm. and he talked about Wingstop nonstop in his songs and during interviews. But he's kind of been out of the picture for the last nine months, and he actually was just recently in the news for almost dying of a heart condition. Really? Yeah, so I don't know if he'll be talking about Wingstop anytime soon either. Jeez, yeah. You know? So, I mean, without that huge awareness and constant yeah. being pushed into, you know, that demographic's head, yep. there could That's be some purchase mentions because a lot of his listeners are huge Twitter users, right? Yep. So, um, another one, this one kind of pains me to do, Domino's, because um, we've been all over this one for a long time. We've been very bullish, and it's been right as the stock goes up and up and up. Um, again, our data, the purchase intent data is the dark line. And you can see that it's just essentially broken. Uh, the trend, the uptrend on purchase intent has broken while the stock is hitting and holding highs. Um, the big takeaway here is you can notice how seasonal pizza is around football season. Uh, I think it peaks on Super Bowl every year. And you can just tell this last Super Bowl was nothing compared to previous ones. So for Domino's, for Domino's, and cool. it, it it stinks to have to flip because we've been so big fans and right about Domino's, but now we have to go the other direction. Um, and finally, let's talk about uh, Costco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard that groan, Andy. <laughs> so Costco, we expected a big beat this quarter um, based on our data. It's all-time highs, purchase intense all-time highs, and it's been very predictive over the past. Um, stock's going up, data's going up, stock's at five-year highs, data's at five-year highs. There is a lead time on it, so we expected um, to revenue to beat the street. Um, and they just reported this week, I think? Yeah, this morning, or yesterday afternoon. Yesterday, and they beat. We were right, and stock is... Yeah, <laughs> stock is down barely, right? I think it was down. Stock like is down barely, and I was stupid enough to buy um, out of the money, money uh, call options, and so all the premium got sucked out of those. And but uh, you've done well doing out of the money. I have, but I was really expecting if Costco was going to beat that it would that it would rally right with the market and. I think I, ha- I have a little bit of a theory why it didn't. Okay. A little bit of a theory. I think that Costco reports their revenues every month. So there's a lot baked into this. Uh-huh. Uh, so it wasn't a surprise, and it's probably more about uh, the guidance. I still like the position bullish. I just wish I would have sold puts underneath 
or, you know, been a little bit more in the money with my calls or a little bit longer duration. Cause I still like a bullish position on Costco. I just played it too aggressively for what Costco is. Gotcha. What was your duration? Um, this month? No, it's, um, this week. <laughs> it's like 44 days. I think it's April, okay. end of April, something. So there's, there's some time. What, but, are, what strike? I got the two tens. <laughs> Oh, whoa. And it's at 185. <laughs> Swinging for the fences. Yeah. I, I just hope you fences. didn't fat finger it like that spy trade. So uh, six contracts, you did no. 60. Did you hear about this one, Landon? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't do that this time. But um, they did get cut in half this morning on a on a beat, which hurts. Yeah, that does hurt. So, but that's the game we play. Yeah. That's the game we're playing. And I there's a lot of things. I actually explained ways. that in LA. I said, look, you can't, you can't draw correlations between our data and the stock price you can draw correlations between our data and the revenue yeah. but there yeah. are expenses there are external events you i mean there's a lot of things that move stock price there's a huge advantage if you can predict to a fair degree what the revenue is going to be obviously and that's what we're yeah. trying to do but there's other factors and sometimes you're right and lose like on costco yeah which i'm good with because i've been right i've been wrong and won. right it goes both ways um so it's good to have an edge Absolutely. And like Folio gives you that edge, and we are glad to be able to do it now in video streaming uh, on Twitter at Like Folio. This is high tech. YouTube and on YouTube, just search Like Folio. Our channel will pop up. Make sure you subscribe to that because then you'll get uh, you get notified, I guess, when YouTube when well, we go live. You, um, subscribing just kind of <laughs> helps us out as far as building our audience and yeah. um, getting some of the subscriber benefits. Um, you will get notifications if you subscribe and you select, you choose to get notifications. So you have to click the bell next to the subscribe button. So subscribe first, then click the little bell next to the subscribe and you'll get notified on your cell phone anytime we have a new video upload or anytime we're going live. And trust me, you don't want to miss these live videos. No, because we could be, we are on the precipice of disaster <laughs> at all times with this. Um, so I think this went very successfully. It's a good test run. Good test run. Yeah. Well, hopefully we haven't heard the audio output. Thanks, <laughs> Nick, for helping set us up. And thank you, Ava, for your co-producing expertise. That's it's been wonderful working with you. Yes, great job, Ava. And that's a wrap for this one. Good job, guys. <laughs>